Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Podcast. I'm Jordan Holzer, proudly part of the Believe Podcast Network, and each episode will be covering 90s, 2000s, film, TV, and pop culture. I am not alone. Each episode, I'll be having on special guests to help me relive my childhood. Thank you to Weedis for the intro music. This week, we are joined by one of the stars of My Date with the President's Daughter, Elizabeth Arnois. You might recognize her as Megan Brody from CSI, from her arc on One Tree Hill, or guest spots on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Boy Meets World, and Charmed. I was honestly a bit awestruck during this interview, so if I blubber around a bit, please give me a pass on this one. Elizabeth was definitely one of my earliest childhood crushes. Seeing her with that pink dress, I'm going to stop talking now. Next week, we'll be joined by the creator of The Weekenders and Dave the Barbarian, Doug Langdale. Two shows I absolutely loved growing up, so stay tuned for that interview next week. Oh, I forgot to mention, if you have any recommendations for films you'd like to see covered on the podcast or guests you want us to have on, please email us at therelunchables at gmail.com. So let's get right into my interview with the one and only Elizabeth Arnois. Of course, it's very fun to go back in time to that movie. It's been uh, for a long time, it was kind of like I couldn't escape it, even as I was going through that period. <laughs> wanted to escape it <laughs> but now i just appreciate it because it became this like little cult you know hit. oh yeah i watched it last night and it still holds up it's amazing even you know 20 years later it's still like bit for bit it's an incredible movie thank you i really appreciate that and we got the presidents of the united states to do the song yes <laughs> which maybe doesn't mean much to people now but then it was a big deal um, <laughs> I feel like just repeating the title of a movie over and over again in a song always Not works <laughs> with the like, president's thought. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, I'm really bummed though that it's not on Disney Plus. I think it should be. I completely I'm agree. Because it's a classic. I know. I had to watch it on this like grainy YouTube footage. I couldn't watch it on Disney Plus. So how it works on the podcast anyway, we break down the movie and then we have a mm-hmm. guest from the movie on the podcast. So we're breaking down the movie and it's amazing, like going back and kind of, you know, reliving people's careers and, you know, seeing what holds up, what doesn't hold up. But I have to say, like, we've done so many of the Disney Channel original movies from back in the 90s, early 2000s. And My Date with the President's Daughter is by far, I think, the best one of them all. It's it's really remarkable. Really sweet. Thank you so much. (laughs) I'm not just saying that. My 12-year-old self (laughs) would be speechless right now talking to you. I just have to say. Oh, that's so sweet. I'll I'll I'm I'm very tickled by that. I'm hiding. (laughs) Um yeah. (laughs) So thank you. (laughs) And it's uh it's Arnois, right? Your last name? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. And you spell Elizabeth with an S. Is that is that Dutch? Is that French? It's French. Last name is French. Uh, I believe like the bloodlines are French and French Canadian. So I still haven't done my forever, forever 21. <laughs> forever 21. You know, that whole, what is it called? Uh, what is it called? Uh, 23 and me. 23 and me. I'm like, wait a minute. We all have 21. Yes. Uh, 23 and me. I haven't yet done it. Unfortunately, forever 21 may be bankrupt. So I don't even know if they're going to I know. Business. They don't even exist anymore. So I don't know why I haven't done that yet. I don't know why. <laughs> but um, I French French I think through Canada and some and according to my family. But I'm yeah. the only one who speaks French because they were very American by the time you know <laughs> from grandfather and my great grandfather they had been here long enough to not really speak the like care to speak the language so which gotcha. sucks. Yeah. And you were born in Detroit. When did you make that move from Michigan to California? Um, I was two, I think. Oh, wow. So you basically grew up in L.A. I grew up um, outside of L.A. I grew up first in Vista, and then, which is kind of a San Diego-y neighborhood, and then um, out towards San Bernardino, Riverside area, um, while I was working as a child. Like, we would make that commute, which was crazy. Not fun. 
And then we moved to Woodland Hills in the LA area. Sorry. No worries. And I wonder, you know, if you had stayed in Michigan, do you think your path would have turned out completely different or having been near LA adjacent kind of got you into the industry? Or do you think you would have been a performer ultimately regardless? Yeah, no, I think I would have been a performer regardless in some capacity because I was just, that was like my natural outlet for my energy. Um, You know, I was a singer, I started singing very young and not because I was being trained to or told to just because I enjoyed singing and I actually was decent at it. So it, it kind of took me to places in my schooling and like choirs and all that stuff. So I was always performing. I did dance classes, which I loved. And, um, you know, it sounds kind of cliche, but it, I, I definitely would have found it in some way. I don't, you know, if it didn't, if I didn't do it for a living, I definitely would have had a childhood full of performing arts. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I first discovered you on the adventures in wonderland show. And for me, it was like just one of those shows that you always had on after school was just always in the background. But at five, six years old, (laughs) for you at that young of an age, do you even like comprehend, I guess, what you're doing on set and that like it's actually like a job that people are signing up for and you have all these adults dressed as these crazy characters? What memories do you have of that show? Um, So Adventures in Wonderland was a mixed bag for me because some of the best things in my life came out of that in terms of what I learned about the industry, about professionalism, about hard work about um, just being better at what I do and um, that it was something that I truly wanted to do, not that it was just a hobby. It came from that job. Um, There was the drawback of, you know, adults aren't always the best people for kids to be around, especially if they're not your parents. And so there was a lot of, um, you know, adults who weren't used to being around kids having to adjust their behaviors. I always felt bad for them because they were in costumes and they were (laughs) going through like, just the craziest makeup and, and discomfort. They were in discomfort and I understood that. And, and you know, with a low, that show was like, as much as it won Emmys and was like a, a, a favorite, it was also not like a huge budget. You know, we did a lot for the money that we had and we made like a hundred episodes in two years, which is kind wow. of unheard. We were doing two a week. So everybody was a little bit overworked, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, so I got to see like a lot of grown up stuff and, and anger that wasn't necessarily <laughs> probably the best thing. But I also got to see that those people, those same people with me were like the best people in the world. Like <laughs> they loved being around me. They loved, um, you know, they always felt guilty if they said the F word or something <laughs> in front of me. Um, and they gave me the confidence, like they were all Broadway actors. So they gave me the confidence to think that I could you know, go and do Broadway or do a, do a musical and, and sing live, not just the way we did in our adventures, which was, you know, recording. And then it was still very hard. Let's be real. But it was like they do like they did it on Glee, where they would pre-record, yeah. choreograph, and then have to sing along. And so, you know, for me, that was a safe zone. And they were all very encouraging to me that, like, you're good enough to go and do live and, like, all this stuff. And, um, you know, some of them are my heroes. Like, you know, Armelia McQueen, will forever be a hero. Like she was my mama there on, on set and she treated me so lovely and we stayed friends. Somehow we stayed friends. I wasn't, <laughs> I had this false sense of maturity, obviously it's a comfort <laughs> of being in this world and uh, being in the world that I was in, not necessarily this world, but the world that I was in. And um, they, they never like made me feel um, like, oh, you're a kid. They always talked to me like I was an equal, which I think was really important because they understood that the work I was doing was just as hard as the work that they were doing. And so they really needed to talk to me and respect me as much as I respected them. And so Armelia was one of those people, Patrick Richwood. I mean, the whole cast was amazing and and taught me a lot. So that's great to hear. I don't know your question. I just No, you definitely did. (laughs) Fond memories of the whole thing. But you could see that going the other way, right? You had such a great experience. You know, I know it's, I know how you say it's a mixed bag in a sense, but it could have gone the other way because you're really the only, you know, the kid on the show and it's tough at that age. I will, I'll actually, I'll expound upon that. And I left it out because the reality is the good outweighs the bad, but I do forget, like it did get lonely for sure. Like they, people in, in the crew and cast felt that they should bring their kids around set. And so that I was around more kids. Um, and the schedule was so rigorous that it wasn't like I had a lot of time to, you know, I was working six day weeks, like on the weekend, we were recording and choreographing for the next episodes. Of, you know, it was it was a bit much. I don't think that they would do that. Disney would do that today. Oh, yeah. I really don't think they would do that today. I think they were getting away with something a little <laughs> bit. But, uh, 
but yeah, I did. There were tough times. And then there was the whole thing about being the lead of the show or it was a, it was definitely an ensemble, but Alice, you know, was definitely in it for a giant chunk of every episode and having to do school. And so, um, very often my school was not, it was very, um, just 20 minutes here. They had to do three hours a day, but they would just like grab these minutes and there's no way as a child to focus. Yeah. Learn something really when you're just they're they're bank basically they're banking time they're not really thinking okay this is education and so that was definitely a battle that we had to fight pretty much on all sets I think they tried to get away with that or did back then um, it's been a while since I've been a child on a set if you haven't noticed <laughs> but <laughs> whether or not um, but yeah it's it's uh, that part was hard and the loan the being a kid without any kids around in the cast. Um, made me relate it weirdly relate more to adults which maybe wasn't the best thing for me but they at least they were good safe people to be around you know because you hear horror stories you know oh definitely even just you know in honey boy and shia labeouf talk you know talks a lot about you know how tough his childhood growing up in this business is yeah. you kind of alluded to it but how was your you know your school life kind of growing up and bouncing between auditions and bouncing between shooting schedules and i imagine it's tough to have a normal childhood growing up, you know, in the business. And I know there was a recent documentary, Showbiz Kids on HBO, all about this types of stuff. Yeah, I started watching it and I haven't, I haven't like watched it from beginning to end, but I was like, shit, this is, wait, excuse me, can I say podcast? It may hit too close to home. Yeah, please say whatever you want. <laughs> um, it, it's very, it was almost like too close. Things that are like too close to home, I'm like, um, you know, I already know about this stuff. <laughs> like to watch the whole thing. Um, but everybody's experience is a little different and some are more palatable and some are more positive than others. Um, basically in terms of my social world, um, I went to a private Catholic school during the busiest of my childhood career. So, um, there was a lot of judgment, a lot of judgment without being an actor, you know, just in general, like don't chew gum for two seconds on property <laughs> and you're going to get the scowling of your, your nun principal for like two weeks. And kids take that in very, like they really want to, you know, feel, they just want to please really yeah. children just want to please. So that was hard. Cause I also, the faculty wasn't that great to me. Um, there were a few uh, teachers that were awesome, but my parents, it was very important to my parents for me to exist in a, in a world in terms of, you know, getting to do what I loved and have it feel that way. So like we turned down a bunch of stuff, um, so that I wasn't all the time working and so that I could have like at least 50 to 40 to 50% of my life be in a classroom with kids. Um, and so that, you know, I was, I would get angry. I'd be like, wait a minute, I booked the lead in this movie and it's a, it's more of adult, an adult movie. So maybe my parents, that, that also came into play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not adult film, but like <laughs> yeah. rated R grown up movie. I know what you meant. Um, <laughs> you know what I meant. And, um, you know, and then I'd watch my friend get it, even though I was the first, the first choice and I'd be like, oh, I really wanted to do that. Cause I loved being on set, but the, I remember one time, this is like a really sort of bordering on traumatizing, but also empowering story where I came back to I, my mom and I had figured out like how many haters there were at school and how we just were like, you know what, this is a flip in time. And like, you just go on and, and I still had like a great core group of girls. So I wasn't feeling like bullied. It was more just more isolated. Um, but I, I had to do um, a mini series where I played young Courtney Cox and I had to dye my hair red. And so um, we got clearance from the school. They had to give me my work and all that stuff. And I, but I had a couple days before I went to shoot and I show up to school with this like carrot red. They did a bad job dyeing my hair, this ridiculous hair. And I just remember walking into the classroom and the whole class going literally as though they were in sync and trained. They went, red hair like, <laughs> and all I could do was just like a movie and yeah. I was like like moments in like a teen movie where like the world stops and everything's in slow motion and you feel like you're in it. um I walked to my dad I kind of like my defense mechanism was to go yeah red hair <laughs> deal with it yeah <laughs> but that was because I felt like I had to like 
defend myself because look, I'm doing this for a reason, but still it didn't, wasn't that easy, but I did have a wonderful time in school. There was, it's just like, there's that balance, you know, and, and not, I can't, I'm not sharing any stories of trauma really. You know what I yeah. mean? These aren't traumatic. They're just kind of funny, like funny events in my opinion. Yeah. Like I never felt traumatized by that part of it. Because I imagine kids at that age, you know, they don't know how to deal with it. Some of them are probably jealous. Some of them are probably resentful. Some of them, you know, just at that time, you know, I think kids are mean. Yeah, parents. Yeah, it's. Oh. Parents were actually scared. They thought because it's a Catholic school, they thought, oh, she's going and being in the Hollywood industry. And like, they just kind of like, as a group, maybe it came from jealousy. Maybe it came from not understanding it. But I think it also came from like the morality issue, yeah. you know at that time and like what I was going to be involved in. And is it a good message to send to their kids that she's going to go do this? But everything I did, my parents made sure was were only things that I could watch, hmm. like purely things that I could watch and they would be okay with it until I reached a certain age. Um, and I thought that was a really good path. If you're going to be a parent of a child actor to yeah. like, don't, don't turn down the movies that they can't actually celebrate having been a part of with their friends, because then it's not, then it's no longer a thing that's theirs. It's this thing for other people. You know what I mean? I was just going to say, did you ever think about, or your parents think about, you know, going to a private, you know, or just a performing arts school, right? Where everyone's kind of pursuing those types of pursuits, or is it better to get a more rounded experience and, you know, interact with students who are doing all sorts of things? Well, okay. I think that the whole performing arts school is a really great thing um, for kids who, um, actually are still training a lot and learning and want to do this, but are still training and learning. And, um, you know, I, I know people who ran a performing arts school in Florida, like, you know, but they didn't have a lot of kids who were already very successful. They were just doing this because they knew that this is what they would need to be able to adapt to. For me, performing arts schools in LA are, are I'm not want to, don't want to disparage anything, but really what it is, is, is for families and parents to really adapt to um being the industry like them adjusting themselves to the industry which you do have to do but as a child i think the best you can do to keep it so that your life is the way it is and you get to do these jobs and that's great i think that's better and i'm grateful that i went to a normal school if i had gone to a performing arts school i would have been around you know a bunch like you ever see that show dance moms yeah yeah okay so that's a guilty pleasure because i kind of relate to it um just with being in dance, dance mom, moms. I love crazy parents in general. Any crazy parent yeah. show, I'm in. <laughs> my mom was always the one hiding in the back, fighting only for my like things that were like for my safety, but not engaging all the stuff, which made it so peaceful for me. Um, but yeah, so I kind of like when I would ever, whenever I would be in a classroom on set with like on a show with a bunch of kids, there would be a performing arts school teacher. Like they would bring in their school teacher, it wasn't just the, you know, the hired um, set teacher. And you realize that they, like they're, they're having a very limited experience with the world. They're only experiencing each other's privileged, um, I'm treated like really special experience and they're not experiencing what it is to actually just be a kid. So for yeah. me, if you're a dancer and you're really talented and you wanna study at home alone, with your parents or homeschool. I think that's different than going to a performing arts school. Um, but that's, it's also different from LA and other places. Like I said, the, the performing arts school in Florida was great because it was like, we're just teaching you about what you might expect. And we're also gonna hone your skills. And, but we're not gonna not, you're gonna be around other kids, yeah. you know? I think like anything yeah. in this business, you have to be careful, right? You have to just be careful of yeah. you know, where you're going, who you're giving your money to. I just think in general, that's a good rule to follow. Uh, so it seems like I know I'm jumping around a bit, but I just want to go to, so you have four younger brothers. Is that right? Yes. Yes, I do. So what was it like growing up the eldest, uh, you know, having four younger brothers where you're just like bossing them around? I imagine that's, you know, a difficult position for an older sibling to be in. Are you just kind of like serving as their mom in a sense? Or, you know, what was that experience like growing up with four younger brothers? I mean, I say I have, have four younger brothers. One of my brothers passed away, um, but I, I will always have four younger brothers. Um, being, and I just wanted to correct that because, just because, because <laughs> um, I'm not going to not. But um, for me, it was very much second mom, and it was a lot of responsibility. And that also was was a lot, you know, being working in the industry and, and be having four younger brothers. So I didn't want to affect their experience in any way. I, and I didn't want like 
things in my life to affect what their life was going to be. So I definitely felt stresses about that. That's, that's, a, I can't, I can't deny that. But I also went out of my way and made up for it. And in terms of like how my parents did as well, in terms of making sure they had all the things that they wanted um, or were interested in, none of them wanted to be actors. And like, you know, so that was kind of easier. Um, and yeah, I, I loved being a big sister. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I loved it. I, I already felt like very like more of an adult than I really was. So it made perfect sense that I would also be like second mom and like, you know, you gotta, you gotta take your hat off at the table and like, you know, you don't chew like that. And like, I'm sure I was the biggest pain in the butt ever. Um, I know I was, we joke about it now, but, but also they learned a lot from me and they respect me a lot. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm grateful that I was the oldest. I am. Oh yeah. I'm starting to see a ton of parallels here. I just have to say between you and, and Hallie, the character and, uh, you know, my date with the president's daughter that, you know, kind of rebellious nature going to, you know, a private school, you know, kind of living, you know, in, in that movie, in a sense, you know, you're growing up as the president's daughter, you know, you're kind of in a, in a box, right. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, your attention's always on you. And that's sort of a microcosm for what you experienced growing up as a it child might. actor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of parallels here as we go through this. Just, just yeah. wanted to point that out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, it's funny because the, the rebellion with me was just rebelling. It wasn't really actively in my consciousness, a rebellion. It was just doing what we wanted to do without being affected by opinions. So as, yeah. if, that's if that's being rebellious, then that's being rebellious. But it was never like, I'm acting out. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, you know, that's how they saw it, probably. But it was never that. So in the 90s, you did so many guest spots on like the most classic, you know, shows from that time, classic 90s Boy shows, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Boy Meets World, Brotherly Love. We talk about the Lawrence Brothers a ton on this podcast. So mm -hmm. you kind of checked the box, charmed, you did everything. What was it like doing guest spots on all these great shows? Um, as, a, as a young person who thought everybody was the cutest boy ever, <laughs> well, what do you think? It was awesome. <laughs> um, and honestly, like um, Joey, or not Joey, <laughs> <laughs> And I had like a very a young little flirtation flingy kind of thing. It was so like innocent when I think back. It was so innocent, um, but it was really fun. It was just really fun. Like they were, you know, being on uh, half hour comedy sets is a very different experience um, because it's like doing theater. It's like there's all this play time for like four days before, and yes, you have to be on your toes for cha lines changing and all of that. But then the night of, and that actually probably trained me more for the idea of theater than anything. But, um, the night of like, you know, you gotta be on it. You gotta be good, but you always get to take it again <laughs> and everybody's laughing and it's just a very fun experience. So the, the actual setting is, is awesome, but the people were also awesome. Like boy meets world was awesome. Every kid on that show. I loved, um, yeah. Topanga, like <laughs> Daniel official, like came up, came up to me after like three days of hanging, of working together. And she just like, we just clicked and she like grabbed me and picked me up and was like, I love you. And, and, and by the way, she was a head shorter than me and she grabbed me and picked me up like, I love you. So yeah, it's just like those kids were really good and you could tell they had good parents. Um, at least at the time, I don't know how, what ended up, but I'm just saying like they, they were good people. And so, yeah. yeah. And then Is I had the my, my first little like, Hollywood fling. <laughs> You'd have to get ask Ma Matthew how he saw it, but like he, at the same time that I was on the show, and a friend of mine was on the show, and she was a little older than me, and she started dating Joey at the same time that I started. I, I call it hanging out because I was there <laughs> with Matthew, and he was just a sweet little gentleman. Anyway. No, that's great to hear. Yeah, we just covered Horse Sense on the podcast, which was the classic Lawrence Brothers Disney Channel original movie. So yeah, we're well versed. Uh, Horse Sense. I don't know if you caught that one as a kid. No, Horse I... Sense. And they did the sequel, Jumping Ship. I know maybe these were uh, a little bit, you know, before yeah. you or after you, I guess. Um, but Hopefully I'm curious. With... After me. <laughs> yeah, I think after. <laughs> I think they came out in like 99. So I think right around the time you were doing My Day with the President's Daughter. I did, oh, exactly at the same time. Yeah, it was the first contract I signed as an adult. <laughs> without my parents <laughs> oh that's like my my that was a major moment oh yeah <laughs> <You know>? yeah <laughs> like we're not stage parents it's yours like do what you want we love you we've given you the tools and i was like great i'm gonna do this movie and 
Um, obviously I had adults helping negotiate the deal, but I was like, yep, that I, this is, I agree with this. And like, it was a very growth moment. Oh, yeah. It's a big growth moment. Yeah. But no more child hours right now. You're working full adult hours. Well, on that's set. true, but I actually was fine because I was, you know, technically I was an adult. Like I didn't, yeah. I wasn't in school. <laughs> the child hours exist uh, because also they're children, but also they have to, they have to do, you know, they have to do life. Oh yeah. You're at what you're doing is your life, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, was uh, Boy Meets World the first time you met Will Friedle or no? Um, the first time I met him, yeah, it must have been actually. It must have been. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think it was actually. And we really, but it, you know, when when I'm trying to remember exactly how old I was for Boy Meets World. I just remember feeling very awkward that I was being that they, they dressed me a certain way. Like I was dressed in like these tight black pants and this like striped shirt. And it was just very like, it was for today's standards, very conservative, but it was also like their version of sexy. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember being so self-aware because I hadn't seen that that in myself yet at all. And, um, that's all I remember, but I don't remember. I think I must have been like 15 when I met him. And and it was on that. I believe it was on that. So when we worked together, we had already sort of broken the ice when we worked together on my date. Gotcha. Yeah, because I think your episode of Boy Meets World was like two or three years before my date with the president's daughter. So I think that yeah, makes I sense. Before that. So what do you remember about the the casting process for Hallie? Um, what do I remember? Uh it was at Disney lot in the uh pretty sure it was in the um seven dwarves building yep oh yeah um and i remember we've heard sort of like legendary stories about like the top floor in that building being like where they did all the casting for all these disney channel movies like yeah. everyone kind of has yeah. a story in that building yeah yeah actually mine um it Actually, it was a kind of a, it is very impressed into my my memory. Um, <laughs> first time that I uh, read, I think I'm sure I'm sure I had a pre-read. I'm sure I had a pre-read. I can't remember that. Those are so throwaway in your mind. You know, it's when you actually get to the next step. But um, and then I remember the waiting room being a very select group of girls that were at the time somewhat known. In my mind, they were more known than me. You know. Um, but probably that's what most people feel you know, <laughs> when they go into a room. Um, but I remember it feeling kind of funny and weird because Danielle Fischel was auditioning as well. <laughs> and I felt, and like she'd just come out, we really like hugged each other. And then I was like, okay, now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's, like, that was one of the main things. And then I remember the director, Alex Zam, being like so like physical and like super um, just jazzed. It, 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 for lack of a cooler term, very jazzed to do this project. Um, and feeling very much like, like um, Will and I hadn't had chemistry. Like, you know, you kind of know when you do. Um, yeah. And I didn't know what it was at the time. I just knew like, oh my God, I really like him. Like it was just quick, you know? Um, and we had like the, our comic, like our timing was good. And so, we played in the room for a long time um, and that, and not other people weren't having that experience. And that's when I knew I just felt like pretty good about it. You know, sometimes you're lucky enough to have those moments where you're like, I'm not stressed. I think that's mine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was that uh, experience for that, for sure. No, I have to say the chemistry is, is incredible between you two and it, it really does yeah. hold up. Uh, I yeah. know it was filmed in, in Canada, in not Washington, D.C. Were uh, scenes filmed in front of a green screen a lot when you have all those backdrops of D.C.? You, you know, in the, I think it was the Lincoln Memorial, there were scenes by yes. the monuments. Yes. <laughs> that was all green screen. And you know what's funny is I had gone um, to Washington like with an AP government class in high school before <laughs> I shot this movie. And so at least I had had the yeah. like, patriotic like american <laughs> history like vibe running through my veins at that time so even though there was nothing there it was a green screen i could be like oh we're in front of the washington memorial like you know i knew <laughs> feeling what i you know what i was experiencing um and i remember being disappointed that it wasn't shooting in washington because i'd fallen <laughs> in love with washington so much <laughs> i was like 
oh, we're not going to be there. But, <laughs> you know, we did it. It looked yeah. pretty, pretty solid. <laughs> <laughs> no, it definitely does. I was I was disappointed myself when I went and did some research on the movie. I was like, oh, man, it wasn't filmed in D.C. But it, it, you're right. The green screen, it's hardly noticeable. Um, I have to say, you know, all the scenes are so, so iconic in that movie. The bar scenes. I don't know. Before I get into that, when was the last time you re- rewatched My Date with the President's Daughter? How oh, long has it been? Yeah, I don't know. I have a hard time watching things and really. <laughs> uh, no, it's not about watching me. I'm fine with that. Like, I still think it's not me. So it's not like yeah. uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> not that judgmental of myself. But um, I did. I, it's about the quality of the whatever it is. Like, I'm a cinephile. I'm a, I went to film school. Like, I hate watching something if it's like grainy on youtube i appreciate those who do because that's because they're fans and, and if that's the only way but um i have yet to i've watched clips but i haven't seen the movie in so long and i actually um went through my grandparents who have both passed away in the last like five years i went through their um helped go through their like estate stuff and i'm <laughs> the <laughs> some of the most prized things I took were they recorded everything that I did. Of course, it's on VHS, but yeah. like, so I think there's a copy there in actually the back of my car that I'm going to try and get transferred. Oh, wow. It'll still be crappy quality, but it'll be from beginning to end. And yeah, but I haven't seen it. In really, I can't. That's that's the longest answer too. I haven't seen it in a <laughs> long, long ass time. But I remember it very well. <laughs> yeah, it's, it seems like you do. It's amazing because all these movies from back then that are being put on Disney Plus, they still look like they're grainy YouTube. Like it doesn't seem like they've been updated or modified for you know yeah. today's television. It looks like you just plugged in a VHS. But I wanted yeah. to ask you, you know, the scene I want to talk about is if you just Google My Date with the President's Daughter, there's like 10 articles that pop up all about that pink mesh dress, you know, that I you wore. Was- <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, my sister made me ask you about this dress. <laughs> Hold on, Elizabeth. Give me a minute to tell my listeners about Plexiderm. Summer is over and fall is upon us. With so much changing, it's increasingly difficult to find that extra time for you, the time you need to take care of yourself and look your best. With Plexiderm, all you need is 10 minutes and you can look 10 years younger. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that gives your appearance the right kind of changes. It visibly reduces wrinkles and gives you the results you need for hours. You can try a six application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping when you visit triplexiderm.com and use the code BELIEVE. Again, that's triplexiderm.com and use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout. Make those wrinkles, lines, and under eye bags disappear with Plexiderm. And now, back to the show. I still have it. You still have it? Yeah, it's in storage. I, I have two outfits from that, and that's one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, that dress. <laughs> I, You know what's so funny? I will never forget that when I was doing the wardrobe fitting and they pulled out this pink lame dress, I was like, I'm not, I used the words, I look like a hooker. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and that's not what we call them. Now we call them, I, what are we, it, it was at the time. <laughs> Whatever. I don't mean to offend anyone, but <laughs> I, you know, it, I looked very Lady of the Night-ish, in my opinion. Um, and they were like, that's exactly the right thing. And all I think is, I feel like this is too far in the direction of rebellion, but they were totally right that it was the right vibe. Like, yeah. you know, trusting them and their decision. Um, I just remember being very aware of like, because there was nothing between my body and the stretch LeMay. <laughs> So like there was, you know, just felt very aware of every little curve and every little thing. But um, yeah, <laughs> that dress is like notorious and it cracks me up, cracks me up. I know I definitely wanted that uh, leather jacket like Duncan wore that Wilfred Dell wore in the movie. I know I like I asked my parents the next day, hey, I want a leather jacket like that. But probably not as expensive as, you know, the bill that he rang up at that uh, at that alternative, you know, thrift store, whatever that was. <laughs> alternative store. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I have to watch it again. You're so right. Like, you're so right. I need to watch it again. Because it's like you're bringing up stuff that just like warms my heart. And I, and you bring it up, I remember it, like shooting it. You know, I remember yeah. the actual experience. On the podcast, we were having a debate whether, you know, who was 
because even though Duncan and Hallie are very likable characters, they do some not so likable things, right? Like, you know, Hallie gets, you know, the vice president's son in trouble with these bikers who end up punching him in the stomach. (laughs) You know, Hallie doesn't tell Duncan that she's the president's daughter. You know, she does kind of all these things to get Duncan in compromising situations. He dances with Steve, that other biker guy. She goes to his party, even though she's on a date with Duncan. But Duncan also, you know, bets. You know, he the whole thing is him, you know, betting that he could take the president's daughter hundred bucks to the dance. So both mm-hmm. characters aren't, you know, you have to kind of see through that. We're desperately in need of um, something on our sides of the story. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it was really fun to play that whole, like, it's so the opposite of me to be like, um, thanks. <laughs> and I drop, <laughs> oh, thanks. And just like yeah. grab it, and, like use, use whatever feminine woes. I, you know, <laughs> I just so against how I understood myself. Like it it was definitely felt like doing comedy the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And then you had that whole bit with these like Thelma and Louise, you know, like this, like, uh, I don't even know how to describe (laughs) it, but those two characters, basically the husband and wife that steal Duncan's BMW and then they bring them into the white house and the president's like, who are these guys? You know, it's just, uh, it's so random, but it's so perfect for the movie. Funny. Yes. Yes. I need to, you know, so it's really funny. Like that, that it, it was pretty, it should have been a feature. <laughs> yeah, they should have put it into theaters. We say that about so many of these movies. Yeah. I know, looking at like Smart House and Johnny Tsunami and Brink, it's just like these movies, you yeah. can't underestimate, you know, how formative these were. And I, I don't think today's generation gets these types of films or gets this kind of content. I think everything's now on YouTube or TikTok. But I think kids who grew up in the 90s, early 2000s, just have an affinity for that time and growing up, I think in the golden age of that like children's programming. Yeah, yeah, because it was it was um, everything. Everything felt well intentioned. Nothing felt too dark. Nothing felt yeah. um, too manipulative. Like his reasons for doing what he was doing and my reasons were actually very innocent. And um, it allowed kids and young people to uh, have an example that was no, I don't have. You mean I don't have to explore every tortured part of myself? You know, which is good now. Like it's good. It's good in some ways now that kids are having that outlet and that ability to know more about themselves. But there's also a real joy in the simple storytelling of that time. You know, it's why movies. You know, like there, there's still some real like grit to them. But there, there's a certain way that uh, they're told, and it's just, I don't know. I find it very charming. But it's all I knew at that time. So. I, I every time every time there's a movie on from night like mid you know early nineties mid nineties late nineties I watch it most yeah. of them Lee Roberts movies but, like, <laughs> um, but they never get old for me you know they just never yeah. get old and um, yeah yeah Disney needs to give more props to my day <laughs> for yeah. sure. I agree. It was, you know, kids solving the problems. The parents weren't really too involved. And, you know, I think all those rom-coms back then, we don't really see those anymore. It's all on Netflix. You know, we don't get the, you know, the real budget rom-coms like we did back then, those Julia Roberts movies like you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Everything's a little more invested and a little bit more verite and a little bit darker. Oh, yeah. You know, Elizabeth, I can't thank you enough for your time. We just end on five rapid fire questions each episode. They're not so rapid. Actually, it turns out these could be quite some timely depending on how you answer it. But we'd love to finish off with these five questions if you're up. For okay. Uh, TV shows you're currently binging during this, you know, quarantine that we have. Um, so I we just finished Schitt's Creek. Oh, it's and, so good. Yeah. And it made me happier than I like, regardless of the pandemic and everything going on socially right now. It made me happier than a lot of things have in a long time in terms of entertainment. Um, We're currently doing Ozark and binging that. And um, first season, I wasn't so sure. Second season, I'm really kind of getting in. And I heard (laughs) Seekford is like killer. So um, because I was a huge Breaking Bad fan and I kept doing like comparisons. And I think that that was really- can't compare it. Not a fair, not fair to Ozark because it's not the same thing. But you know, you kind of the, the log line is kind yeah. of so. Um, what else? Um, I think I binge watch some reality, or not binge watch, but just kind of fall into some reality TV. Um, I love World of Dance because I used to be a dancer, <laughs> so you can't watch. Did you watch Cheer on Netflix by chance? Oh, definitely. 
definitely. That yeah. was a great documentary. Actually. Oh, and that's the other thing. I'm binge. I'm binge watching a lot of documentaries. Like that, if I'm going to Netflix or Amazon or any of the others, I just finished. Um, I'll be gone in the dark, which I think is spectacular. Like um, the story of Michelle McNamara and, and how involved she oh, got yeah. in in her invested in the case that she was trying to solve just as an amateur crime solver and how it affected her life like permanently. Um, it's one of the best things I've watched in a long time. Documentary is a huge thing in my life. Like I love documentary. Um, Are you a fan of those true crime docs? Um, I am, but I'm also a fan of just lo- like life stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it, um, I think I spent so much of my life uh, being fascinated by portrayal actors and portrayal and and then there came this point when for me it was like you know real people are in a lot of ways so much more interesting and you have a good variant uh really giving you a fair uh perspective on it then it makes me more interested in you know telling wanting to try and tell those stories but i think a lot of people aren't as interested well a lot of people are in true crime but just the life part of it not all of it has to be grim it's just uh, informative, you know, like um, American Factory was amazing. Oh, it was so good. So and good. I learned so much and, you know, it just made me want to, it just, it's inspiring. I guess it's inspiring. I guess that's the word I would use. So yeah. Like minding the gap. I don't know if you saw that one and three identical strangers in the past three few years. Like amazing. Unbelievable. Like yeah. you're absolutely right. You know, documentaries right now, they're, they're at another level. Yeah, yeah. they really are. Uh, next one, any artists that you have on repeat right now that you're listening to? Um, so I was just listening to uh, Lennon Stella, if you know who she is. Um, I think she's like a little bit under, I, I don't make she wants to be that way, but she's a little bit underexposed considering what an amazing lyricist and songwriter, just her, her melodies uh, as a singer and, and, sort of I don't really write but I play um I think she's really special so I was literally as I was getting ready for this and some other stuff I have to do today that's what I had on repeat um I I'm trying to think of what else like have you listened to uh Taylor Swift's new album at all or no I haven't actually I haven't not yet I think it's like people are so there's such an economy of views on this album. I think it's great. Like I think it's yeah. really kind of it's, it's not you know the poppy stuff. If you if you like the poppy stuff, I don't know if you're gonna like this. No, but it's I don't. very more alternative, more mellow. I think it's really good. Yeah, and that's kind of what I what I like about Lynn and Stella is like she skipped all that poppy stuff and then went to like she's a true like soul like her stuff just sounds like she's 25 years older than she is, and it's <laughs> so weird to relate to an artist that young, you know? Yeah. It's like Billie Eilish. It's like, she sounds like she's like 40 years old. Yeah, no, and definitely Billie Eilish. Uh, I mean, you can't go wrong listening to Billie Eilish. I loved um, No Time to Die. I thought that was a really special, uh, you know, there's a certain uh, chord progression that happens in pretty much all of of the songs that come out of those movies. And and I think that they just did something really interesting with it and made it so much more like heart-wrenching. And I don't know, I loved that, so. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't flip I, I, anything else. I'm I'm basically searching a lot right now, more more than binging music. But that's Lennon Stella's last thing I was playing on repeat. Gotcha. Uh, favorite restaurant in Los Angeles. Um, favorite restaurant in Los Angeles. That's a really hard one because I'm a foodie. <laughs> um, assuming all the restaurants come back after all this. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, right now, I'm really into Ennaka, which is like... Um, oh, that's like the best sushi place in LA. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I didn't experience it. Like, I didn't go to the restaurant. I mean, the way you're supposed to experience it. Have it, you done the bento box at all or no? Yeah. Well, I did the step above the bento box where it's not just like the... I went to like a double-decker bento box. Um, okay. Because I, I didn't hear about it until after. I didn't really... I watch a lot of Food Network. I binge, a, I binge a lot. You know. That's something to add to the answer to the last question. Because <laughs> I love to cook. But um, and Naka, I, I only ca- became aware of like exactly what they were doing there uh, not long before this whole thing 
happened. So I, I didn't get the opportunity to go and spend $275 for yeah, a It's meal. not a cheap date. <laughs> no, no, but I did decide to treat myself to the bigger, the night, the sort of like more complete version of their takeaway. Um, and it was like some of the best flavors I've had in, and sushi is one of my favorite foods, period, besides like Italian. Um, so yeah, I think it's that. If I have to do it, if I have to say. <laughs> As someone who's, I'm from New York and I'm an LA transplant. I'm so curious, you know, do you have any uh, favorite Italian restaurants in Los Angeles that you're kind of like, those are your go-tos? Because um, for me, it's like John and Vinny's, like Dantana's. Dantana's is great. Dantana's is great. Um, Around here in Venice, uh, there's Felix, which is actually, um, I live in the Venice area and um, that's really excellent. Um, and it's funny when you live on the West side, like how you lose touch with a lot of restaurants. <laughs> yeah. they, they decided to put so many like celebrity chef restaurants all in this neighborhood. And so it's like, okay, well, there's this. Am I really gonna go all the way over there for that? <laughs> but definitely, um, like I actually really love Mosto um, for just cause I'm a broad, I'm a mozzarella freak. So like <laughs> the great place that's not too crazy expensive to get like bowls of burrata and <laughs> like. <laughs> You're speaking my language. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I'm, that, I think I'm gonna stop there. I love, I okay. love, 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 love um, Paco's tacos in, in uh, it's not Century City. It's on Sentinella, but. Uh, actor, actress that you most want to work with that you haven't yet, but that you would love to work with them. I hate this question. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite question ever because it's like, okay. Um, if it's a bad question, we could give you a different one. No, what, is that the last question? This isn't the last one. There's one more. Okay. This is number four. All right. Well, you know, I've like always wanted to work with, um, no, I'll just like a few, I mean, I can't, I'm not going to pick one. Okay. Cause like, there's just too many people that I can go and I think, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I would love to work with Kate Winslet. I've always loved her. Um, I would love to work with, um, I mean, of course, I'm going to name people that I'll never get to work with because that's kind of like what you do. Um, <laughs> Throw out Tom Hanks, Leo. Well, you know, <laughs> but I've been to Leo's house. Oh, wow. So okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Any story there or no? No, just like the most amazing uh, infinity pool that looks over like one of the best views of L.A. That's all I'm going to say. It's just a great property. Great. So basically just like Great Gatsby. Basically just totally. like a great Gatsby party, pretty much his wrong. <laughs> but very chill, like chill chill environment, not like snotty or anything, just like chill. Um, who else? I feel like I'm drawing a blank right now, but I, th I feel like it would be like um, a comedic human. Um, hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, I would love to work with Amy Schumer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm obsessed with Amy Schumer. Um, and do you watch her cooking show with her husband? Oh, that's like, that's, <laughs> that's one of the few cooking shows I can get my fiance to watch with me. And he loves it. Um, I loved her expecting Amy thing that was so like just bearing it all literally and figuratively and um, managing to like, I don't know, that was like a real perfect piece of art for me. It's like the comedy and the drama part of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it really showed the truth for women, how difficult that is. Um, uh, you know, um, I feel like there's a young person that I've been become sort of obsessed with. Obsessed is like a strong term. <laughs> there's no Zendaya? Obsession. I don't know. Uh... Oh, yeah, she's great. I would, I mean, yeah, she's great. Not, not that. <laughs> I feel like, um, Oh, I love Joey King. Yes. yes. Love Joey. I feel like she's one of those people that can do those Disney type quality, like have that, have, do everything. That, have that kind of fun and then go and do like amazing drama. So she, for me, actually, for what's happening now, young people, Joey King, number one, for sure. Oh, yeah. Even seeing her on the act on Hulu is such a different role, but it's so good. Yeah. Uh, last one for you. If Disney approached you and they said, hey, we have this, you know, my date with the president's daughter IP just sitting here. 
would you like to take part in maybe a sequel where, you know, Hallie's character, maybe, you know, she's the first female president and maybe it's my date with the president's son and it's your son going out on a date with, you know, some just, you know, typical, you know, teenage girl growing up in a public school. What do you think? Um, I might just have to, cause I do, <laughs> I might just have to write that pitch, but I'll <laughs> um, I of course would do that. That would be so fun for so many reasons, like for so many reasons, especially right now. Um, not a bad, not a bad idea. Not a not bad, bad idea. idea. <laughs> How long do you think Hallie and Duncan lasted after that movie? Maybe a month? You don't think they really lasted as a relationship, right? Um, I mean, according <laughs> to the audience, we did. lasted forever. <laughs> as they forever. say in the sandlot, forever. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that it's a fairy tale and you're supposed to think that all for the boy from the suburbs from the regular family to spend the rest of his life with a uh, president's daughter. So I say long, long, long time. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> Elizabeth, I can't thank you enough for your time. I really appreciate you coming on the Relunchables. Oh, no, this was fun. You're great. Your questions are great. And, um, hope you're enjoying Los Angeles as a New York transplant. I would like to thank my guest, Elizabeth Arnois. You can follow her on Instagram. She's Lisa Bones 2 As I mentioned, next week, we will be joined by the creator of The Weekenders and Dave the Barbarian, Doug Langdale. You can subscribe to the Relunchables podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave us a rating or review. Five stars only. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.